I'm so excited. I'm so glad to see you here. We started our series on Sunday, and it's a two-part series, and it's the question, Why God? And if you missed part one, I highly recommend going back because it digs into a little bit of the idea of our thoughts are going to guide our lives, and how can we start to get a healthier thought process. And tonight, I'm going to dig in a little bit to something that's not the easiest subject. I was like, you know, Sarah, if you're going to do back-to-back sermons, you should do it on joy or fun, not the heavy, hard stuff. You know what I'm saying? So Mama is bringing um, fumes. So we're going to seek our awesome God and see what he can do. Deal? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do trust in you. I know that... um, life can create these moments where there is just true disappointment. And Father, tonight I pray that you will open our hearts, you will open our minds, and that we will get the true picture of who you are. In your son's name we pray. Amen. John 11. I'm going to hop around. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the bil- uh, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. This was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then saying to his disciples, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for the sake, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him now. Whoa, 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 Jesus. (laughs) What are you saying? I love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So when I heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer where he was and didn't leave because he loves Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. So he stayed. Then Jesus told the disciples plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. That sounds a little funky, amen? Gives me a little stomach ache, you know what I'm saying? (sighs) I love you so much. It's so good to see you, Randy. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had came to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, she remained seated. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that sentence. Lord, If you'd been there, my brother would not have died. I think so many times in our life, there are things that can really, truly disappoint us. And it's how we process the pain 
It's how we process the disappointment that is going to determine if your faith propels you forward or if fear and disappointment is going to cut you off at the knees and just cripple you. And I want to take a look at this sentence. Lord, if you had been there, have you ever had moments in your life where you know you shouldn't think it, but you're literally thinking, I am so disappointed that God did not show up. My heart is broken, and I'm feeling all this pain, and I'm just wondering, where are you, God? Have you ever had moments in your life where you've put everything into something, and it just fell apart, and you're left just wondering, like, God, if you were good, this wouldn't have happened. Lord, if you'd been there, my depression would not have taken me out. Lord, if you'd been there, this anxiety would feel some sort of peace. Lord, if you'd been there, maybe my marriage would not be struggling so much. So I'm just wondering, where were you? Like, is it okay to say in church that I've had moments in my life where I've been disappointed by God? Feels like you shouldn't be able to say that, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like, oh, <laughs> lightning? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go stand by you guys. But here's what I know about God. He's big enough for our questions. He's big enough for our ache. He's big enough for our disappointment. He's big enough for our pain. And when I read this story, I think to myself about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. These were Jesus's friends. It's really fun to see because, you know, you can't always pick who you get to be around, but to know that these were Jesus's friends, like he chose them, I'm like, they must have been really freaking cool. Like, there must be something about them that I want to be friends with them. And so, like, they were friends. Jesus would go there. He'd go to their house. They'd eat together. They'd hang together, and they knew each other. And when Lazarus gets sick, they don't even send the messenger with his name. They just say, hey, the one you love is ill. How would you like that? Like, Jesus knows who you're talking about just by the one you love. Sarah, the one he loves. It's got a ring to it. I thought a lot about this messenger, too. Like, they sent someone to go see Jesus and say, the one you love is ill. And Jesus responds back, and he says, this illness, it's not going to lead to death. It's going to be for the glory of God. And I imagine the messenger going, it's okay, it's not going to lead to death. It's not going to lead to death. It's not going to lead to death. And he gets to Mary and Martha, and he's like, it's not going to lead to death. And can you imagine the relief for Mary and Martha? It's like, oh, who cares about the fever? You know what I mean? We're good. Jesus said it's not going to lead to death. But then they watch their brother get more sick and more sick and die. How do you roll that around in your head? How do you compute what you thought he was going to do, he didn't do? I was laughing at this song a little bit because I was thinking, I'm really bad with words. 
the line in Jibrator where it says, I will be content in every circumstance. And I was thinking, I'll be content in some circumstances. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish it was every circumstance, but, and I will be content when all the circumstances are just right for me. Jaira, you are enough. My daughter gets her voice from her mom. I love you guys. How do you wrestle with the brother you love is dead, and now Jesus isn't, hasn't cured him. And you know what else? Like, they knew Jesus. They knew him intimately and personally. Like, these were his friends. So they knew what he could do, right? They knew he could just say a word. They didn't even give specifics. It was like, speak it. It'll happen. They, they've seen what he can do. They've seen what he had done for other people. but now they're sitting in the ache of what he didn't do for them. And Jesus shows up. And now Lazarus has been buried now for four days. Like he missed the, the what's it called? Funeral. He missed it. And he shows up and Mary, Martha gets word that he's coming, and I love Mary and Martha because they've always been so different, and I feel like the Bible just like screams to tell you how different these two women are because Martha is like, I think of her as pragmatic. You tell her what needs to be done, and sister's gonna do it. She's busy. She's got work to do. She's hardworking. She's thinking. I like her. And so when she hears Jesus is coming, she's not gonna wait. She's gonna go meet him. Anybody out there like that? Yeah? Okay, so she goes and she meets him and she says, Lord, my brother would not have died if you were here. If you were here. But she doesn't stop there. She says more. She says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask, whatever you ask from God, he'll do it. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I love this part because have you ever maybe lost somebody? And you know, like people just never know what to say when tragedy's happening and you've lost someone and they're like, but they're in a better place. And you're like, I know, but I'm not in a good place, right? Like I'm in pain. I know they're good, but this sucks for me. You know that feeling? Like I kind of get some of this. Like Martha's like, I'm, I, I, if you were here, this wouldn't happen, but even now, something good can happen. And Jesus is like, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. And she's like, I know when the last days come and resurrection happens, I know that he's going to rise from the dead. It was kind of like, I don't want the Bible verse right now, right? It's kind of like, don't, don't send it to me. I don't, it's not helpful. But there's this powerful thing that I feel like is happening. Because Jesus says, here's the deal. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He said to her, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said, do you believe this? 
And I think to myself, Jesus is doing this incredible thing because you know what happens in our pain? What happens in our disappointment is we narrow in and we get a smaller viewpoint. It's like looking through a telescope of our pain, our lens, our hurt. And Jesus is like taking a step back and he's zooming out. He's zooming out and he's saying, something bigger is happening here. Something much more profound than you can even realize is about to happen. But Martha, it's not just for you. Whoever believes in me will not die. Do you believe this? I heard a pastor say something that I thought was really cool. He said, God's love language is trust and faith. Do you guys, have you ever done the five love languages? It's like a book, and you can kind of learn. There's five different love languages. It's like touch, affirmation, gifts. Marriage mentors are right here. I'm looking at them. Acts of service. service, That's my husband's. He got the worst love language on planet Earth. Can I just point that out? I'm affection. Give me some kisses, and let's call it a night. You know what I'm saying? He wants me to make him dinner (laughs) and clean the house. The worst love language. But here's what I love. They said that God's love language was trust. It's faith. Do you know there's only one time in our life that faith matters, and it's right now. The only time that faith really matters, because one day everyone's going to know that Jesus is real. Like one day we're going to be dead, and we're going to be with him, and we're like, yes! Like the only time faith truly matters is right here and right now. I was doing an experiment because I heard a pastor say that they read the Bible all the way through back to back, like a book. And he did it in like five days. So I was like, challenge accepted. So I started reading the Bible. Still not finished, but um, what happens when you read it all together is you, you see like this, this call of God from the Old Testament in the very beginning to the New Testament. And do you know what it is? I'm the one true God. Believe in me. I'm the one true God. Just believe in me. Just follow me. Believe in me. Follow me. It's the cry of his heart. And do you know what humanity does? We don't. <laughs> over and over and over again, we stop. And I think it's because how we process the pain and the disappointment makes all the difference in the world. And one of the things that Christ is teaching us here is you got to zoom out. You can't just look at the pain. In verse 5 and 6, there's this powerful thing, and it says this. Now Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He loved them, so he stayed. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that. Have you ever had these moments in your life where you've just been so uncomfortable and so floored with why God wasn't moving? My marriage was like this for a very long time. Jacob and I struggled, and we struggled, and we struggled, and we'd have great days, and we'd have really bad days. But I just remember, like, locking myself in the bathroom and crying and being like, God, this cannot be your plan. 
But you know when our marriage started to take a turn? Was when I stopped zooming in on me and I turned it, I took a step back and I said, what's Jacob's pain in this? Do you know when our marriage took a turn was when we started speaking some victory over our marriage and saying, we're both in pain here. How can we get this right? Let's invite God into it. And we'd invite God into the little things. We'd pray every night together. We just invited him in. And I couldn't understand why it was so painful. But something beautiful grew out of that. I stand here. We've been together 20 years. <laughs> seven years, 20, married 21 years, together 27, forever. But here's the deal, I stand here now and I think to myself, those years that hurt, those years that I couldn't understand, the years that I could not see through, God was doing something that we both needed. He was taking the edges off of us. He was making and creating us into who he had called us to be. It's called uh, the fancy Christian word. It's sanctification. He was shaving off all the hard, and he was doing something so that he could use us in a more powerful way. And it wasn't too long ago, Jake and I were in bed, and we were literally bawling. It's going to make me cry now because we couldn't believe that God would use us the way he's using us. We couldn't believe that we'd be able to be a part of the church and that two broken, messed up kids who were as funky as we were and who could not get it right, that he would choose us. And we sat and we wept together and we grabbed hands and we prayed and we thanked God because all those years of the hard, they created something beautiful. I said on Sunday, the dark is always so much different when the light shines. You wanna know why? Because the light is brighter. The darker the days, the brighter the light. And, and Jesus is saying, let's zoom out for a minute. Let's just zoom out for a minute. I want you to think in your pain, in your disappointment, when you zoom out, if you were reading a good book, what would you want your chapter to be? How would you want the character to live it out? When you zoom out and you think about yourself, it's called uh, distancing, you distance a little. When you distance a little, you're able to th see things so much more clearly. Jocko, anyone know Jocko? He's like the seal, the tough. All the men are like, yes, we know Jocko. Give me a push-up. The man is ripped. He's like solid. But he was saying he, they were doing this seals training, and um, everyone was looking through the barrel of their gun, and someone needed to make the call, but no one was making the call. And he's like, so I stepped back, and I saw, oh, all the commanders who should be making the call, they're still looking through the barrel of their gun. And he made a call, and it changed the whole trajectory of their training mission because he stepped back, and he could see a bigger picture. Jesus meets Martha exactly how she needs to be met. She's pragmatic. She's practical. She needs to talk about it. She needs the answers. 
And Jesus gave it to her straight away. Do you notice? He said, he's going to rise again. And he wasn't being hypothetical. It wasn't like, it's, it's going to happen one day. He told her what she needed. But this is why I love Jesus so much. Martha goes and he gets Mary. She gets Mary. And she says, Jesus wants you. And Mary gets up and goes to Jesus. I find that fascinating too because I think there's some truth that sometimes God's only going to go as far as you allow him to go. When Jesus showed up, Martha went to him, but Mary stayed. She went to where he was, and then she said the very same thing her sister said. She said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But Mar- uh, Mary, she's a, different, she's a different kind of girl. She's not pragmatic. She's emotions. She's all heart, all fire. Every time you see Mary, she's literally at the feet of Jesus. Like all her stories, she's just throwing herself at the feet of Jesus. And here she is again. And you know what Mary needed? Mary just needed to know that Jesus cared. I had like a friendship that I thought was like a forever friendship. Like it was just one of those friendships where it was like, nothing's touching this. But something happened in the friendship and I was just left and it just felt like the whole rug had been pulled out from me and I just, I couldn't even like, everything that I thought I knew felt wrong. And I wondered, did I value this person more than they valued me? Like, did I put more weight into this relationship than maybe they had? And I just, at the end of the day, needed to know that that wasn't true. That they did love and care for me. And I think that's exactly where she was at. And I don't know who in this room needs to hear it, but your Heavenly Father, He cares. I don't know who has that heartache of just like, I I thought you were going to show up and you didn't. I want you to know how much He loves you. I want you to know that the scripture says that when he saw her and she fell at his feet, do you know what Jesus' first response was? It wasn't to give her something pragmatic or to talk to her. His response was he cried with her. And it's like a, a, it's a strong verbiage here. I called my dad today because I was like, can you help me with this original Greek? Can you help me look it up? And it's this idea of this like, um, You see something that it troubles you deeply. That was Jesus' response to Mary. He wept with her. He cared so much. He loved her. And you know the funniest thing about this is he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Like he literally knew in four minutes Lazarus was going to be coming out. But he cared for her broken heart. He cared with a deep sense of, it wasn't just I care, but man, I care so much, it troubled him. Your heavenly father cares. He loves you and he sees you. 
Do you know what I love about this is he gave Martha what she needed. He gave Mary what she needed. But he gives you what you need. He knows you so much better than you even know yourself. Sometimes I'm like, I, didn't, I can't see the full picture. I, I'd like to zoom out, but I can't because I don't know. And the cool thing about the Bible is you get to see all of it. But they were living in it. They didn't get to see the end. And Jesus says, where's Lazarus? Where'd you put him? And they say, come and see. Can I offer something? What if your heavenly father is just saying, where is your need? Where's your Lazarus? Would you be open to saying, come and see? Would you be open to just inviting Christ in to come deal with some of the pain, some of the hurt? Because zooming out is a very beautiful, helpful thing. But you know what? Feeling the emotions, that's all part of processing. You have to feel it. I don't want you to stay stuck in it, but you have to feel it. And I love that Jesus processed with Mary. And he goes to this tomb, and it had been four days where he had been in this tomb, and he says, someone roll the stone away. And Martha gets concerned because she's like, Jesus, there's a smell now. It's been long enough that his body's decomposing. Like, there's going to be a smell. And she was very concerned. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus is like bound in burial clothing. I saw a pastor, he was like, Because he was bound. He was breathing. But he was bound. He was breathing. He was alive. But he was bound. And I'm afraid for so many of us, we're alive, but we're still bound. We're still bound in anxiety. We're still bound in stress. We're still bound in fear. We're still bound in depression. We're still bound in disappointment. And your heavenly father is saying, come out. Come out. He has a life for you. And here is the powerful thing. I think we all know life is not a fairy tale. Life is going to have pain. It is going to have disappointment. Life is going to have those moments where you do say, God, I do not get this. But even still, I am going to believe. God, I don't get this, but I'm just asking, can you meet me? And can you just grieve with me? Can you strengthen me? Can you walk through my emotion with me? Can it be you and I together?
there's a woman named Chris, and she lives in Australia, and she's 33 at the time, and she found out that her brother called her, and he's like, Chris, I just found out I was adopted. And she's like flabbergasted. They're like from a Greek family. And she's like, what do you mean? And he said, I got a letter in the mail, and it said I had been adopted. And she's like, they got that wrong. Just call them. So she called them, and they're like, no, here's your birth certificate. Here's your immunization records. Here's all these things. And he says, I'm going to meet mom. So Chris said she got in the car, and they went, and they sat down, and her mom was like, 35 years ago with the adoption process in Australia, you were never supposed to be able to know that you were adopted. And her dad, her husband had died, and the last thing he had made her promise was, you never tell the kids they were adopted. They are ours through and through. You just never tell them. And so her mom's confessing this, and then she looks at her daughter, Chris, and she says, well, do you want the whole truth? And Chris is like, I was adopted. And Chris found her birth certificate, and on the birth certificate it said, unnamed, 2508. Unnamed. And she was just the number. And she found, like, the reason, and all that it said was, unwanted. And Chris, she grew up in this home, but she grew up, she was abused in the kind of way, because there's kids in the room, I'm not going to say it, but we all know what I'm saying. She was abused. And she, um, for a lot of, a long, a lot of years, and when she found out that she was just a number, unnamed and unwanted, it ripped everything from her. And she grew up unnamed, unwanted, abused, and all these images of zero self-worth, and all she could think is like, why? Why? And now, if you know her full name, her full name is Christine Kane, and she is one of the most influential preachers in the world. She is not only influential at preaching, but her and her husband started something called the A21 campaign. And do you know what they do? They rescue men, women, and children from human trafficking. And I tried to look up statistics, but it's like through the roof of how many thousands of people they have helped. And she said there was this unwanted, unnamed, numbered girl that was broken and abused, and she couldn't figure out what to do with her life until she found Christ. And she found him, and she said, of all the things, now I'm seeking out, and I'm rescuing girls, and I'm going to save men, and I'm going to save children. And every year they go into the darkest places of the world, and they go and they free these people. If you believe, you will see the glory of Christ. If you believe, you will see the glory of Christ. Would you be willing to just open your hearts to what God might do through your disappointment? 
Would you be willing to process in the kind of way that instead of it wiping you out, it fuels you and says, this hurts me, but I know God can use it for something so much better, for something so much more than I ever could have dreamed. And can you just ask God, can you glorify yourself through my life? Can you glorify yourself through my home? Can you glorify yourself through me and my kids, Father? Can you just let me shine and use the brokenness, use the pain, use the disappointment to go and change something in this world? Because if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for this church, Father. I know that this is like, don't want this to be just a moment where it's like great motivational speech. Father, I want it to be a moment where you break through to our heart, where you break through to our mind, where you start disrupting some of the pain that maybe we've carried for a lifetime, Father. Maybe we've carried it just for years. I pray that you will start to do your work and you can just whisper to the hearts of people, come out. Pray, Father, where disappointment and maybe something that they thought you should have done has just tainted their life. Maybe you can show them, Father, the bigger picture, like you did to Mary, to Martha. Father, maybe if it's they just are wrecked and they need to know that you care, I pray that you will show up in the kind of way where they can feel that you love them, that you care for them, and that there is more to their story. That if there is breath in their lungs, that it is not finished, Father. And that no matter what their history was, no matter what their past was, that you have a, a hope and a destiny for their future. And I pray that they will believe, Father, and they will get to see the glory of who you are. Shine through them. In your son's name we pray. Amen.